1: Castle Rock, thank you for joining us. This is going to be a life changing program, one that will change your life, enrich your life. We'll have some enjoyment along the way. And I just so appreciate the opportunity of being in your home, in your car, as you traverse across our city, El Paso County, this afternoon. Amen. I tell you what, it's a good day, and I've got a good word for you. Well, I told you every day I would have a word for you. I'm praying through Jeremiah, and this morning, Jeremiah 42, 5 and 6, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Jeremiah 42, verses 5 and 6, the word for the day Lord, we will obey you, whether it's favorable or unfavorable. There might be some unfavorable situations in which you obey the Lord in that moment. But Lord blesses obedience. Obedience is the key that unlocks the power of God. Yes, it costs to obey, but guess what? It costs more to disobey. Just read the Chronicles of Scriptures, those who disobeyed, how costly it was So could I encourage you to simply obey the Lord. Revival is a long obedience in the same direction, said one revivalist. So Lord, help us to simply obey you as you lead. Help us to learn and live in Jesus' name, and it will go well with us. And we thank you, Lord, that's your plan and purpose for us. Amen and amen. Well, I want to begin this program with a story. The Bricklayer's Accident Report. I'll just read it. Dear sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident reporting form. I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You asked for a fuller explanation, and I trust the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. One day on the day of the accident, I was working alone, visualize this now, on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found I had some bricks left over, which, when weighed, later were found to weigh 240 pounds. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks onto it. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent— of the 240 pounds of bricks. You will note on the accident reporting form that my weight is 135 pounds. Due to the surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This explains my fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone, as listed in Section 3 Accident Reporting Form. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley, which I mentioned in Paragraph 2." Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. Well, at approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground, and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel weighed approximately fifty pounds. I refer you again to my weight. As you might imagine, I began now a rapid descent down the side of the building, at the weight of 135 pounds, with the barrel weighing approximately, wheel weighing approximately 50, in the vicinity of again the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for my two fractured ankles, broken tooth, and several lacerations of my legs and lower body. Here, my luck began to change slightly. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks, in unbearable pain, unable to move and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope." my soul here's here's a person who's got problems and you, you you visualize then the the wheelbarrow coming down the side of the building and encountering him again on the ground well problems problems adam had them we've got them what do we do with them perhaps you have problems i we beverly and i my wife have experienced problems this summer we call it the lost summer because we had so many problems we were dealing with. And sometimes we felt like that if we were St. Francis of Assisi, we would be on Valium. Yes, life and problems go together, don't they? The Lord allows them into our lives. Why? Well, we're going to briefly encounter a story in the Old Testament that's going to give us that answer. Paul writes in Romans four uh, fifteen four. he says, Now the things that were written beforehand were written for our instruction to give us encouragement and hope. And, of course, he was talking about the Old Testament. Why the Lord allows us to have problems is because we can possess things we otherwise would not have possessed, Go places we otherwise would not have gone. The biblical personalities and their problems confirm it. Paul's thorn in the flesh, Jacob's limp, Mary's humiliation and then exaltation, Esther's legacy of delivering a a nation, David's song, songs, many, Joseph's 12-year journey into the pit to get to a position of power, on and on we could go. And so, let's consider a lesser-known character in the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles 20. His story is going to take us to a coveted place and possession. So, today, I want you to consider this thought, turning your problems into prosperity. Turning your problems into prosperity, if I had the opportunity of asking you personally, do you have problems? You'd probably, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, I've got several. I would say maybe it's physical or financial or relational, maybe marital or parental, vocational or educational, just to name a few. If I were all also to ask if you wanted to prosper, again, all of us would say, yeah, I'm all in. Well, this brief story in 2 Chronicles 20 journeys from problems to prosperity. And this story beautifully illustrates how these two seemingly opposite experiences in life intersect in a wonderful way. The story begins in Second Chronicles 20 on a sad note. Now, it came about that the sons of Moab and the sons of Amnon, together with the Minuites, came together to make war against Jehoshaphat, And Jehoshaphat got the report, a great multitude is coming up against us. And Joshua was afraid and turned his attention to the Lord. The three enemies mentioned here are interesting. Who were these? They were the sons of Ammon, who were descendants of the incestuous sons of Lot, representing the flesh, our internal enemy. There were the sons of Moab, the Hebrew word for congregated unit, tribe, or folks, representing the world, our external enemy. Thirdly, there were the sons of Mount Seir, the Hebrew word for obstacle or goat, representing the devil, our infernal enemy. We've got enemies rearing their ugly heads. How shall we respond? Stay tuned, and we'll see how Jehoshaphat responds and how we can. When problems come our way. Welcome back. We are engaged in one of the most amazing stories in the Old Testament. We're talking about turning your problems into prosperity. Problems are a reality of life. We all experience them to some degrees from time to time do we not? So what then shall we do? Our enemies, particularly the devil, can't steal our inheritance, but he can steal our enjoyment of it. Jesus says, let no man steal your joy. So let's see how we can traverse through this story and how it impacts our lives as we experience many of the things Jehoshaphat is experiencing here in Second Chronicles 20. He gets word that the great multitudes coming against you, they're going to besiege your city, they're going to take over. What did Jehoshaphat do? He was afraid. Now, Jehoshaphat was a a solid guy. He was a a super spiritual guy, really. And yet he was afraid. We we do fear, don't we? He was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. Could I encourage you in the midst of your problem, please just seek the Lord. I know you feel like you're pressed into Jesus. It's a good place to be just seek the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Help me here. And so he gathered together to seek help from the Lord, those in Judah, and they came to seek the Lord with him. So it's it's good when others are seeking the Lord with you in the midst of your problems. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And it's amazing what happens after that. So he gets the assembly together And he says, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not the God of the heavens? Are you not the ruler of the kingdoms and nations and power and might are yours? Did you not drive out the inhabitants up until now? So he's what is he doing? He's reminding himself of who God is the one he is seeking. In this wonderful prayer, we see the nature of God and the works of God, who he is and what he has done. The two elements of our prayers to God, praise to God for who he is and thanksgiving for what he's done. I thought that most unusual, most exemplary of him, Lord, this is who you are. Can I remind you, dear friend, who God is? He is Jehovah, the I am, the great I am. He is always present. He is who you need him to be. Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Rohi, our shepherd, Nisi, the banner of victory over us, Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, Shama, the Lord who's present, Shalom, the Lord our peace, Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, Lahiroi, the Lord who sees, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, Jehovah Imkadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Would you remind yourself who God is and how faithful he's been to you in the past. And after this wonderful prayer, reminding God who he is and reminding the Lord that those uh, came out to invade us whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of Egypt. What's the principle here? The Lord will allow Situations and problems in our lives that we might learn warfare. That's why the Lord didn't let didn't didn't allow them to wipe them out totally. God allows things in your lives to make you stronger. The story is told of a of a big fish, a big tank, almost a pond. Uh, they were raising tuna, but the tuna got mushy, and so the tuna's terrible. It's terrible mushy tuna. These, these tuna is laying around getting fat here in this pond. So they went and got a barracuda, (laughs) which eats tuna, and put the barracuda in the pond, and guess what? The tuna started tasting better. I'm sorry they met their demise anyway, but, but why? Because they were stronger, see, trying to get away from this barracuda. So remind yourself of the Lord, and then who he is, he makes us stronger, and then notice what Jehoshaphat says, Lord, will you judge them? We are powerless before this great multitude. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Is that not the most human prayer in all the Bible? We are powerless in the flesh to do anything against our formidable enemies, and the flesh reveals itself when problems come. Fear, criticism, unforgiveness, gossip, anger, worry, stress, or holding grudges that accomplishes little, we can handle it, But God can. Lord, our eyes are on you. We're tempted to gaze at our problems and glance at God, but we are to gaze at God and glance at our problems. Friend, don't look inward or even outward, but look upward at the unseen heavenly realities God on his throne and lining up our lives with his. When we gripe, and complain, think negatively or hopelessly, we're lining up with the devil. But when we look up and and try to see the Lord in this, we're lining up with heaven. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel and said, Listen, don't fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but God's. God always has a word for you in your situation, friend. You say, well, I'm not hearing God speak. Friend, there are 31,102 verses in the Bible. He's already spoken. Grab one of these. Go to God's Word. Lord, cry out to Him. Lord, give me a rhema. Give me a word from Your Word that will help me through this situation. I guarantee you, He will speak to your heart as He spoke to the people of God here The battle is the Lord's. Stand to see the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord is with you. Consider God's word to you in the midst of your problems. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Listen to what God is saying. And then what do you do when you hear from God? You confess that word from God. Like I'm doing every show, I'm sharing with you a word God is speaking to me, and I'm confessing it to you that we might live by it. Archimedes said, show me a place to stand, and I will move the world. That place to stand is in this place where the people of God were, seeking the Lord, getting a word from God, and confessing that word. Paul says in Acts twenty-seven 25, don't be afraid. For what God said, what God told me, will come about. Friend, death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs eighteen 21. Don't be breathing death on people. Breathe life on them. Share God's word to your heart. Believe God, not appearances. Don't confess those negative statements. Start confessing what God says, like Abraham did in Romans 4 and Paul did in Acts 27. No, this is not some wishful thinking. No, this is lining up with what God has said, saying, believing it, and confessing it. And then what happened? The prophet said, stand to see the salvation of the Lord. And so the Levites stood up to praise the Lord with a very loud voice. I mean, this is even before the battle is won. The enemy's still out there threatening this city. So what did the people of God do? Joshaphat leads them to do what God told them to do, stand to see the salvation of the Lord. And so they rose up early in the morning, and Joshaphat said, put your trust in the Lord, and you'll be established. Put your trust in his prophets, and we will succeed. And so when he consulted the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and who praised him in holy attire to go out before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Do you get the picture? Jehoshaphat sent the choir. You got the enemy out there with swords and bows and arrows, and you got the he's sending the choir out in front of them, and they begin praising the Lord. Boy, that was a, you have to have faith in Jehoshaphat to go out there with nothing but your choir robe and trying to defeat this enemy. And they begin praising the Lord. And we'll see the result, an amazing result, when we return. See you back in a minute.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word.
1: This wonderful Old Testament story had Jehoshaphat and the people of God in a hard place. A multitude of the enemies came against them, and Jehoshaphat said, I'll just trust in the Lord here. I'll just do what he's telling me to do. So he sends out the choir in front of the army, and of course he has probably maybe his army in the back, so he got the choir in between two armies. And so he sent him out there, and he said, just... just start singing give thanks to the lord for his loving kindness everlastingly. i said okay we'll we'll trust you we'll do it and guess what when they began singing and praising the lord sent ambushments against the sons of ammon moab mount Seir, and they began and they were routed in the fact they began fighting one another wow it wasn't until the choir started singing in front of the army with all their armor headed right for them, that the Lord gave deliverance. Begin praising the Lord in your problem. I know that's so very, very difficult, but the Lord uses praise to turn things around from problems to prosperity. Well, what was the prosperity Well, they collected riches from the spoils of battle. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to see the armies were defeated, corpses lying everywhere, they found much among them, goods, garments, valuable things, which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. They were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Collect the riches from the spoils of battle. You see, had there been no battle... And the victory, there would have been no spoils. They wouldn't have had all this stuff to carry off the victory. Indeed, there are treasures of darkness that are ours through our problems. Ask Job, Joseph, Ruth, Esther, Mary, and Joseph, Paul, our Lord Jesus' examples for us to follow in collecting riches from the spoils of battle ordinarily would not be ours had problems not come our way. And deliverance been ours. And what are those spoils? What are those riches, if we praise the Lord? How they manifested in our lives? Well, problems turning into prosperity. Our fear turns to faith. Our hopelessness to help. And we have another God story, you see. Bible says, Hosea 2.15, And I will transform the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, into a door of hope. Let God transform your valley into a door of hope. Let him minister to you to give you beauty for ashes. Let him turn your mourning into dancing and singing. Now, I'm not uh, so naive to think that if, for instance, you're in a car accident or something and something terrible would happen, you uh, lose a family member or something, you're supposed to hop out of the car and say, praise the Lord. The Lord gives us an emotional window to process, and he's with us in our pain, in our problems, hopefully bringing us to the other side in time where he wants us to be. Problems into prosperity. Praise does that. What are the bennies, the benefits of praise? You see, praise will change your personality. Whenever Saul's personality needed a makeover, what did he do? He called upon David to praise the Lord in his presence, presence, and that that removed his despondency. Let me tell you a story about a fellow. His name's Kelly Green. In fact, he lives in Florida. We just texted this week. They missed the brunt of that hurricane. We're praying for those folks, obviously. First time I met Cal, he well, backstory is he and Nancy Walters were uh, traveling across the United States from California. Nancy was a movie star; she starred with Elvis. And and uh, he and she, I believe, if I'm not correct, uh, in fact, uh, this movie star was his dad's girlfriend. But anyway, they they left and they're traveling across the United States. And his girlfriend comes into our church or Columbus City and gets saved. Well, Kelly visits our church. First time I met him, went over to introduce myself to him. Was on staff of the church, and he was uh, morose and didn't hardly even talk to me. And I could tell he's in a bad way. So I just, uh, well, just move on, you know. And I understand that night that Nancy tried to influence him even more to, to come to the Lord, and he took her Bible and threw it through their plate glass window. He was so angry. Anyway. The next time he came to church, he got saved, I mean hard saved, and the Lord changed his life and got him off drugs. In fact, he became an evangelist, Southern Baptist evangelist. Perhaps you've heard of him, Kelly Green, but uh, he split up with his girlfriend, obviously, now that he's a Christian, needed a place to stay, so I thought, just come stay in my apartment. So we lived together, and the Lord had so radically changed Kelly's life that he's he's just all always saying, praise the Lord. He had more joy than anybody I'd ever met, and he expressed it so often. He's just saying, praise the Lord all the time. I thought, is this guy for real? And I could see how indeed he was genuinely in love with the Lord, praising the Lord all the time, and it, you see... It changed. The Lord changed his personality from uh, being a person who just hated everybody to just praise the Lord all the time, and, and uh, you know, he kind of impacted me. i I've, I've been walking with the Lord for five years, and I said, man, do I have this much joy? to have have my praise the Lord like Kelly is? And so the Lord used him in my life. See, it changed his personality, changed his perspective, and changed others around him, and it will around, around you. Praise and bitterness, depression, despair, anxiety, resentment, and a critical spirit cannot coexist. There are no selfies in praise. It gets your mind off yourself and onto the Lord. It'll change your life. It'll change those around you. It's viral. It's contagious. And those around you will join in. The benefits of praise, praise will also stop sin in your life. C.S. Lewis said, I had noticed how the humblest and most balanced minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. The righteous see it and rejoice, the unrighteous shut their mouths, Psalm 107:42. Praise stops sin in your life. May I encourage you, challenge you to praise the Lord more, and it's going to prepare you for the future. Some of us are going to experience culture shock when we get to heaven because it's going to be so much praise as we gather around the throne singing, worthy are you, Lord, to receive praise and honor and wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Hey, let me tell you, Revelation is a loud book, and we get to participate in it. Start practicing now. Praise will also provide strength for daily living. The joy of the Lord is my strength, said Nehemiah in 8.10. Jesus quotes Psalm 8.2. Psalm 8.2 says, the, the babes will declare, bulwark will be your strength. Well, bulwark will be your salvation. In Matthew 21.16, Jesus changes the word bulwark or strength to praise. Out of the mouth of babes, praise will be your strength. He changes the word into praise, saying praise is our strength. Wow. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then praise will continually defeat your enemies. It defeats your enemies, especially the arch enemy, the devil. Oh, the Lord inhabits the praises of his saints, but the devil hates praise. You know why? Because when we praise the Lord, Satan is reminded of his first job, a job he was fired from, a job as lead worshiper of God in heaven, as seen in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Praise is always a preface to victory. It will defeat the enemies in your life. So return and we'll unpack this, how we can specifically learn how to better praise the Lord from problems to prosperity.
0: This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7
1: The Word. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome back. We're talking about transforming your problems into prosperity. And praise is the way to make it happen. Oh, the benefits of praise are just so many. It does you good. It does others around you good as they're encouraged. It does God good. He dwells in the praises, amongst the praises of his people. But I will tell you this, there's a warning. Praise will also bring out the praise robbers and the grace killers. You know they're all—they're always a few around, aren't they? The praise robbers and the grace killers. Some folks just can't stand it when others are having a good time of the Lord. Praise brings out folks like David's wife, Michal, who became childless because of her embittered jealousy of David and his praises. The Judases complaining because the woman in John twelve. We're worshiping the lord with all of her heart the pharisees telling jesus to cut it out in luke 19 speaking of the worldly sometimes the world is better at worshiping than we are acts 1934 records a praise rally where they chanted great is the goddess diana for 2 hours once a former atheist related to me how he and his atheist friends would gather in their meetings and take turns publicly blaspheming God, which I find is interesting seeing he's not even supposed to exist. But anyway, they were known to hurl the vilest insults for hours on end without ever repeating themselves even as much as once. Wow, we could learn from the world as it gets excited about football and this, that, and the other, how excited we are about the Lord. The most common word for praise in the Bible is used around a 100 times as the word, Hallel from the Hebrew, it means to boast, brag on, laud, make a show, or even to the point of looking foolish. We get our word hallelujah from it, Yah simply being the shortened name for God from Yahweh. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. By the way, it's the most transliterated word probably in the world because it's pronounced the same in every language, universal. Praise the Lord is a popular command. What's the most frequent command in Scripture? Give, go, pray, attend? No. The most frequent command in Scripture is to praise the Lord, occurring 250 times in the Psalms alone. It's a popular command. It's a personal command. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Psalm 34. Psalm 118.24 says, let us say, I will praise the Lord. You know, sometimes you have to have a talk with will. (laughs) I will. Let us praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's praise the Lord. That's every day. Have a talk with will and begin praising the Lord. It's personal. It's powerful. It changes things, mainly you. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Hope in God. And I'll again praise Him, Psalm 42. Praise the Lord also is a practical command. It's our greatest need at the same time possesses the greatest benefit. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, sing praises to your name, O Most High, Psalm 92. It's a practical command. You can do it. It was Spurgeon who stated, Most people are born crying, live complaining, and die disappointed. Praise keeps us from becoming one of those persons. It's a very practical command, and it's possible. Letter everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Are you breathing? Well, Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Though you're breathing, you may not be able to sing a solo, teach a lesson, or preach a message, but you can praise the Lord. It's becoming of the upright. Psalm 33, 1. If you're upright, not only physically, but spiritually, praise him. We're to praise the Lord in the good times and the bad times at all times. of 3 says, even when there isn't fruit on the vine or cattle in the stalls, yet I will still praise and exalt the Lord. Praise him, the first thing you do when you get up, the last thing you do when you go to bed. Would you then make praise a priority in your life and in your family's life? Romans, Colossians, and 1 Corinthians, all three of them talk about a house in a church in your house, a house that houses a church. Did you know there's a church in your house? Beverly and I have always said in our parenting classes. We have said the most important thing about raising kids, and by the way, tomorrow I will have as our guest uh, Joe Baker, and he'll be helping us on raising kids and how he raises boys. It'll be a blessing how we can impact our children and grandchildren. Tune in tomorrow as I interview Joe Baker, a rock star in our community. There's a church in your house, and we have said that the most important factor in your home is the atmosphere of your home. The atmosphere of your home. What is the atmosphere of your home? You can change it through praise. Well, I've got some more stuff here, but I want to hear from you. Our phone line is open, eight four four five hundred word Perhaps you have an insight. Perhaps you have a question regarding praise in your life. Perhaps you have an anecdote, something that will help us Better get a grasp of this 844-500-WORD. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you and your insight and your question. Perhaps you give us a suggestion as to how praise has made a difference in your life, and we'd love to take hold on it. And I would encourage you, make Christian music a part of your life. Get the Word of God in your life. Christian fellowship, praise, find a church, get in a church— that really praises the Lord, Uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary, Pastor Eric, with whom I share this microphone, a great church, Cross Fellowship Church, there are a lot of great churches in Colorado Springs, ours just happens to be one of them, come and worship the Lord with us. Make it a priority in your life. You see, the Lord's Prayer begins with praise, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it ends with praise, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. The Lord's prayer is sandwiched in praise. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Our Father in heaven, I enter your gates with thanksgiving and enter your courts with praise. I enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We get into the outer gates of the Lord's presence with thanksgiving. Thanking him for what he's done, is doing and will do. But we praise him. I will enter your courts with praise as we begin our prayers, the Lord's Prayer. Our fathers in heaven, hallowed be your name. We get close to the Lord's heart when we're in his innermost courts, when we praise him. And you know, that is the, the most selfless kind of praying, isn't it? just praising the Lord for who he is. I want, to, I want you to take the 30-day praise challenge. I want you to take the next 30 days and make praise a bigger part of your life. I don't know of anyone in my listening audience who would say, you know, I'm, I'm already there. Dr. Bob, I don't need any more praise in my life. No, all of us do. And so personalize these hymns and choruses as you sing them to God rather than just about Him. Use the writings of others. Meditate upon the Lord. You know what David did? He sat before the Lord. In my mornings, in my Jesus corner, sometimes I'll just sit before the Lord and praise Him. You want your problems to be turned into prosperity? Then praise The Lord. Take the 30 day challenge. It'll change your life and those around you, and you'll be better for it. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow, right here, same time. 100.7.
0: The Word.